Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Hey, guys. Veteran Shout Out brought to you by Operation HHA USA. Go check them out. Uh, this one's submitted by Brian Watson, and the veteran is Shane Wiggett. Uh, he served in the United States Navy. It says Shane served four years in the Navy. Now he keeps people warm in the winter and cool in the summer by being an HVAC tech. Deer camp is always a good time with him around. Just saying thanks for your service, buddy. Short and sweet, huh? Yeah, I like those ones. <laughs> awesome. Doug can't read, so those yeah, are yeah, different. it's hard for me to read. <laughs> thanks for your service, man. And uh, yeah, thanks for your service, Shane. And uh, thanks for spending that, Brian. Yeah, blue collar out there getting. It. Hopefully, he listens while he's doing that. Hey, thanks for keeping us warm and cold when we need it. Yeah, we're gonna need that. I thought <laughs> I thought he's gonna be like he works for Thermoseat, and I was like, wow, <laughs> look, how, look, look how this came full circle. Here we are. Thanks for your service, man. Thanks, Shane. Hey guys, welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. The podcast is presented by Elite Archery. We've been shooting Elite for a long time, uh, proudly made in America, if America. that matters to you. It should. Um, USA. We challenge USA. you to take the shootability challenge with Elite. Go to a local dealer, find a dealer that carries Elite, and just give one a try. You might love it. We love them. And, uh, That's all we ask. We think you'd enjoy it too. So right. check out EliteArchery.com. Use code WCB there. Pretty easy. Um, the podcast is also brought to you by Big Time. And Big Time, if you live in a state that offers supplemental feed, they have that and they have food plot <clears> seeds. <throat> so something for everyone. Use code WCB2021 to save yourself some coin on some good stuff for your deer. Cha-ching. Or You're going to like it. Or whatever animal. I might guarantee eat. it. I guarantee it. That's all. What's that? You're going to like the way your buck looks. Um, I guarantee it. That's what you're doing. Yeah, see like that? The podcast is also brought to you by loophole optics very proud of that partnership we love loophole based out of beaverton oregon that's right great people great products uh from rangefinders to binos to spotting scopes for us we don't really use the rifle scopes because we're not um into gun hunting as much but they make great scopes too mm -hmm. um performance eyewear they got it all uh we think you'll like it loophole optics check them out tell them that we sent you that helps out mm -hmm. the midwest takeover is what we're calling it loophole is going to be more and more involved in the whitetail game as uh, as we work together so yeah. give them a shot before you just go buy whatever is at your big box store you know go out and and play with the loophole um also spy point cameras um, from a cell link, which is a great entry way to get into some spy points to yep. the link micros. Um, they really have a lineup for everybody at a good price. Great price. And you can be an insider, an insider club on there. You get different pricing on your plans and entered into giveaways and all sorts of good stuff like that. Um, if you're going to buy a cell cam, just check them out. We think and they have like a free them. plan for a hundred pictures a month, which is we sweet during the it. summer. Yep. Sweet during the summer or in a spot where you don't get a ton of traffic. Yeah. So, um, and you can kind of, you get better pricing with the Insiders Club, or you can kind of just price out what works for you, or do the free plan. Why not? Um, Rogue Ridge e-bikes, uh, the entry and exit strategy for a lot of people come in and 
in and out of the deer woods and even probably the western woods, whatever they're hunting. Um, e-bikes are changing the way. No scent trail, silent, and it's fun. Yep. I think people just forget it's fun. Hell, you can even ride over to your buddy's house and drink a few beers, you know? I mean, maybe you've done it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd never do that. No. Um, the podcast also brought to you by Scent Crusher. Been working with Scent Crusher for a long time. Um, I know... You know, you can't always go scent free no matter what, but it goes, it helps to go in as scent free as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, always play the wind, but why not take every precaution that yeah. you can, especially if you're hunting mature whitetails? What you're dumb not to try it. Go the extra mile. Yeah, go the extra mile from the gear bag, the roller bag, everything. Love our scent crusher stuff. Uh, check them out, scentcrusher.com. And then that all being said, with another one of our partners that kind of ties into all our other partners is Old Barn Taxidermy. Yep. You know, you you spend your hard-earned money on some of these products that we believe in, products that believe or people behind the product that believe in us in order to partner with us. Don't go cheap on your taxidermy. Two things I don't cheap on, tattoos and taxidermy. It's pretty good. Right. Boom. And that's it. Everything else, maybe I'm cheap out, but <laughs> I'm yeah, a cheap I'm, ass. I'm over it. I pay for convenience anytime I can. <laughs> like I'm, I'm shopping at Harbor Freight, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a Pittsburgh man, so uh, what's up? That's right. <laughs> um, and also Novix tree stands. Uh, we have a code for them working class 21 for 15% off and novixoutdoors.com. Um, you can get into an American made tree stand, mm-hmm. um, for real, like really reasonably priced. And you can get into one for under uh bear stand with offset bracket, 9.2 pounds. That's, per, that's pretty kick-ass. That, that is kick-ass. That's, that's awesome. kick-ass. And what's great about them, they are local to us. Mm-hmm. So that's even better. Uh, made in USA. They're proud proud of that, and we're proud to be partnered with them. That's pretty right. awesome. Uh, back in the tree stand game. So check them out. That's code WC- we're back. Uh, Working Class 21. I, I always go WCB like in my head. Working Class 21 for 15% off. Mm-hmm. Um, tell them we sent you. Wait. Thank you for tuning into the podcast, and we hope you enjoy it. We, we got through them so you can get to the show. Thanks for being here. I'm Chase Rolson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey, everybody. It's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey, guys. This is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Mutt from Ball Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is a podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like Working Class Bow Hunter. It's really, really not that good. Welcome to the podcast. It's episode four hundred and sixty-five in studio. Casey Morgan, good to be here. Thanks for being here again. Third time on the podcast. That's right. And Greg, I probably mess up your last name every time. Did I mess it up last time when I introduced you? You're two for two. Of messing it up? Oh, yeah. Sick. Glissinger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Glissinger. You didn't correct him? Sick. No, I'm just going to let him hang himself. <laughs> oh, all right. At least I didn't fall asleep on your ass. We're going back to that, Doug. Tough break. Here we go again. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> Say it. Your last name? Glissinger. Glissinger. I, I had that. And yeah. 
I mess it up. Hey, it's all good. I would have done that. You probably hear it every every way possible. All the time, yeah. 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 Glass Singer. Glass Singer is quite common. But yours looks more complicated. Mine looks really simple, but it's hard to like get through. So I live that with you a little it's, bit. It's no biggie. All good. Thanks all for being good. here anyway. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> all I know is I got a sticker. Yeah. You guys got those yeah, studio stickers. badges, man. Studio experience. Not you know what you those. should do is you need to make these in the patches with Velcro. I know we got to find a good patch place so that you can wear them and put them on stuff. I know we we got to find a good patch place. Would you put them on your camo hunting? That or a little patch you can sew on your hat, or an even iron NASCAR on this up, man. Let's go iron on patch. No, someone get us a good patch place. We need good patch places, good ones. Yeah, affordable send, and easy to work with. Send working class bow hunter IG page a patch company. Yeah, we need we need someone easy Please. to work with. ASAP. somewhere where we can ASAP. upload our own image, imagery and there see how go. it's going to look. There you go. We need simple. There's a simple thing out there. Just haven't found it yet. Yeah. Somebody knows us listening to this podcast. Oh, yeah. Sure. DM. This, working class. This episode I'm pretty excited for because it's something that gets brought up a lot in podcasts, but never gets a chance to be 100% focused on. And that topic is blood trailing. And then add into that dogs and blood trailing. And we learned the first time we podcasted with you guys in Wisconsin. Back in March. That Back in March that you are, in fact. Casey, not me. Casey. I'm looking at Casey yep. for people listening on audio only. <laughs> Episode 441, Doug fell asleep. Doug yeah. fell asleep on that one. Just because somebody <laughs> didn't know. 441. Four, <laughs> so let's say it one more time, Doug. 441. Four, Doug falls asleep. Thanks, yeah. Greg. Hey, I guarantee he'll never forget that episode number. I know I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. We're talking blood trailing with Casey. Yeah. Casey's the man. You're the blood trail guy. You're the expert. The man of the hour. I don't know if you'll ever be an expert on on it, but well, more than us. The more we talk about it, the better. We're, the more we're going to learn. Okay, about you're, it. right. You're right. the expert in this room right now. Can we say that <laughs> the blood master? All right, let's talk first. Give an introduction on why we're calling you the expert. And now I'm not. You didn't call yourself the expert. To be clear, we called you that. But why are we calling you that? Uh, probably well. So I owned a, a a business called Bloodhound Deer Trackers. It was uh, designed to go out and help hunters recover their deer by use of tracking dogs. Um, that was probably twenty twenty ten. I want to say I started doing it seriously. Uh, we toyed with it a bunch when we were growing up, trying to figure out a way. Just because when you're young, you constantly you know have issues recovering deer. Mm-hmm. Just a part of growing up as a bow hunter. Yep. So I think that's how it kind of stemmed that. And how we found ourselves here is we talked about that in the first podcast when we were out. Yeah. Yeah. Tell them what kind of dog you had, Casey. At that, well, when I first started doing it, I had a bloodhound, an American bloodhound. um, And I've since changed that over to a little smaller breed of dog. And by a little smaller, I mean completely different. So (laughs) by like like 80 pounds. Yeah. So um, I've, I've, I've gone a little smaller just because of transporting um, and just, I think I can get just about the same efficiency out of this dog that I did in about one one hundredth of the size. So, really, yeah, I think so. I mean, the good thing about a bloodhound is, I think a lot of people when you think about a tracking dog, you think about that, right? Because yeah, there's the yeah. deep south video yep. of a bloodhound tracking a human being across 
somewhere. So they're like, yeah, okay, off that's a chain a gang. Yeah, off you know, a chain gang. Old brother, where are thou type shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, exactly. Heard the, they heard the Blake Shelton songs. Old yeah. Red. Old Red. Old Red, old red yeah. baby. Exactly. Great reference, Doug. You're really making up for that whole falling yeah. asleep thing. <laughs> He's picking up his pace. Hey, look, <laughs> at me, look at me go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that was my first step. And, uh, I mean, you can't argue with the nose of a bloodhound. It is one of the best in the hound mm-hmm. world. But uh, since just learned a lot about getting drugged through the woods by a 120-pound dog in the middle of the night, just gets old after a while so we'll try to figure out a little different uh, solution to the problem but a little different <laughs> you did there. exactly nights so explain the dog that you have now and how the the process because this is really quite phenomenal for those who are not in this circle which well, is a very small circle to begin with mm-hmm. yeah well okay so well let's back up a little bit so the reason why greg and i know each other is oh. because of this this deer tracking business i was doing a seminar at deer fest in west bend wisconsin on game recovery seven years ago yeah, eight years ago eight years ago and shot selection and how to handle just specific wounds and things like that and mm-hmm. uh greg's son talked him into going to the seminar because he thought the dogs were cool and all that so that's how greg and i talked after that seminar was over and that's how we kind of met how no kidding this all came to that's pass that's awesome it's where it all damn began. dog yeah old red yeah exactly in this case booner was his name yeah yep so as a, if you look into uh, game recovery or blood tracking, you realize there's a book out there, and it's pretty much like the book mm-hmm. that you can read as far as training game recovery dogs. And uh, it's written by a guy named John Giannini, and, and he is a breeder for what is called a European tracking tackle or a wire-haired dachshund. Now, these dogs don't look like your run-of-the-mill wiener dog that you see, you know. Mm-hmm. So they're a Dash little... Hoon. Exactly. So they're a little more lean and athletic looking um and they've they're bred initially for uh badgers foxes denned animals so they're a hunting dog breed mm-hmm. it's just that we figured out over the years that it's nice to have a dog that's not pulling your arms off um that tracks at a nice slow pace and you can kind of keep up with it and mm-hmm. uh they just work really nice for for what you're trying to do with them yeah so. that makes a lot of sense that's interesting because like you said i think big hound Yes. All the time. So anything yeah. else being completely ignorant to this whole deal, I'm like, that. that's it? Yeah. That's what you're using? Yep. I hear but, that. But that makes sense. 100%. And I think that I'm interested to see, because I have not used this dog to track for anybody else yet. So I'm interested to see what the look of the hunters that- When you pull up. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Because they're expecting a hound. Little wiener dog comes yeah, around out of the I mean, dog. literally, it will fit in your backpack. It will. That's kind of awesome, though. Yeah. It's easy to get it. Just take them with you hunting initially if you're feeling that cocky. Oh, I've I've done it several times already have for training really? purposes. Yeah. Yep. So yep. did you train this dog yourself, or did you, like, send him off and have him trained? No, I've, I've trained it myself. I trained the, the first dog, um, Boomer, and another female myself. Um, just... I started off with uh, a lot of beagles and rabbit hunting when I was little, and uh, we started with that, and, you know, we just had a beagle that was gun-shy, to be perfectly honest. If anyone's in the hound world, you know, a dog that's gun-shy is basically worth a shit, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it was important to me, so I started, you know, messing with that dog on game recovery, because you don't have to shoot over a game recovery dog. Right. right. He could be gun-shy. He's got to use his nose. Exactly. So that was the plan and kind of how it all originated, but just through learning and reading books and talking to other guys that are into it, um, men and women across the United States, uh, just kind of learned the ins and outs of how to train the dog. And that's where I'm at now. Casey's being extremely humble right now. 
Yeah. I'm so I'm going to help you out on this, Kurt. Yeah. Thank um, you. How many how many tracks did you do right before we met up to that point of time with you and Booner? What was the number? Yeah. The the last year that we did it, uh, we did 88 tracks. We covered 72 of those 88. Wow. Tracks. Damn. That's pretty good. Yeah. That was a good year. Holy crap. That's but, a lot of tracks. I mean, it, it's that dog was running almost nightly. That's a ton of experience right there. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine some of the blood, like different blood and scenarios and stories you've heard about a blood trail, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I still, I'm sorry, on, Eric, I cut you off. A no, little you're bit. good. No, I'm on quite a few pages and uh, chat rooms and stuff like that with uh, other game recovery dog owners. Mm-hmm. And literally daily, I hear of another situation that, you know, where there's either there's blood everywhere and the, the deer was not recovered. And all of a sudden some guy gets a picture of it later on or yeah so it's kind of nice to just listen to what everyone has to say and learn from it from, from it all because there's each situation so that's dynamic. what makes blood trailing so interesting yeah, yeah. Now, now can i ask and you can tell me just straight up like hey listen that's something i've learned and i don't want everyone to know my secret like that's completely fine but and i know how to train a dog is probably a whole another 100 podcasts in itself sure uh, but like on a basic that's how I was level like break it down a little bit yeah it's like how do you even start it's that that literally is a a podcast conversation in itself. But right. what I would say to anyone who's getting going is start with basic things at first with your dog. Sit, stay, come. Basic, you know, command commands Obedient. for exactly obedience yep. training. And once that's done, you start with a liver or a high drag to encourage that chase drive that's in every dog. Basically, you know, you could drag it in front of a cat and something will chase something that's moving. Right. And you, then from there you progress to a liver drag. And I use deer liver um, to try to get that blood scent. The liver is an extremely scent um, full organ. And then at the end, you know, you, you have a little bit to cut off and you treat the dog and that's the start. Then this is where you're going to find dog owners and game recovery guys across the nation fist fighting. Okay. From here, there's a million different ways you can proceed. My biggest thing is I try to proceed by having that dog tracking wounded deer. Mm-hmm. Now, Greg and I are pretty fortunate that we can put ourselves in situations quite often throughout the year that we can get the dog on. Now, not everyone has that kind of time or right. all that stuff. But yeah. in my opinion, and you'll talk to anyone, like if you have a pheasant dog, how does that dog stay sharp? By hunting pheasants. pheasants. Yeah. Right. So that's where I kind of switch to purely... Uh, just straight game recovery on, on getting the dog on on either what I call a gimme track where Greg or I will shoot a deer and we'll just drop the dog on it, even if it's... Like a double lung, yeah, 40 even, yard even run if you smoke. We know we saw him go down, we still go get the dog. Yeah, yeah. smart, smart. Yeah. So that dog's with you. If you guys are hunting, that dog's with you. Uh, for now, yeah, he's gonna. that's the plan pro- moving forward. Yeah, right. now... Again, with the bloodhound, that would have been extremely difficult. It's a sure. huge dog. You can't have the dog run, you know. Loud and everything. So he loud sheds. He's drools. huge. He drools. He's a six-year-old kid that has an appetite that never stops. <laughs> and right. he's a mess. He can bark. He's a oh mess. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's a mess. But the, okay. the new one is is like a house dog. What's yeah. the new one's name? Frankie. It's a female, and it's, we gave it the name because of uh, Ballpark Frank, like a wiener. Oh, uh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Greg yes. and I, are, I like it. We're both pretty big baseball fans, if you can't tell by the name of the deer that... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's that's where the name come from, came from, but... So, uh, where you said the argument, you know, this is where a lot of guys start to fist fight, is like throwing them right on the live tracking deal, 
and, and, or you know on a game a, a real life game trail or uh, track job i guess what do other guys suggest so from there you can gather deer blood like i don't really agree people will say you can use like you can get blood from a cow or from anything any right. roadkill or anything and lay that down because there's a certain amount of iron content in blood that they people tend to think that the scent is very similar from one blood type to another. So they're saying blood is blood. Yeah, they are. And there's some truth to that. My philosophy on it is that if you're training the dog to track deer, why don't you use deer blood or deer right. parts yeah. or all the stuff? So, yeah. so what they will do is gather blood and they'll lay training lines. And I do that too, um, to be honest, for practice. Mm-hmm. But the problem with laying a training line is that inevitably you walk that line to lay it down. So you dropped whatever scent that you have on you, which is for certain some, and when you went to lay that line. So that dog is smelling you the entire tracking line. Right. And it knows you so well. And and you can put rubber boots on, as we know. We talk about it all the time, about scent control as deer hunters. No matter how much you do, you still smell. Yeah. Yeah. So, So what I have found is that every dog I've ever owned that I've laid these practice lines for has run them at like world record speed. They're just like, <laughs> and they find them. Even, even if it takes me two and a half hours to lay a two mile track, they'll run it and get to the end. And I'm just like, Oh, 20 minutes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's just not really that great use of time. Right. In my opinion. Sense to me, I, the way you're explaining it, that seems pr- logical, pretty obvious. Right? Like, logical. yeah, yeah. it's all good work for the dog. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying, you know, because anytime you get the dog out and get it working, it's good for it. It's good. Right, it's yeah, just right. not the most effective. Exactly. That makes but sense. also, you can't do that all year all year long the way you do is tracking deer. So there's got to be a regimen you do in the summer, correct? There, there is, but fortunately for me, and I talk about this a lot, is I have friends in the um, that have crop damage tags, um, and a couple guys in the high fence world that will allow me to get deer parts and things like that and practice down that avenue. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, I, I am fortunate in a lot of different ways that way, but I still think that ultimately the dog needs to run live tracks if it's yeah. going to find yeah. wounded now, deer. I, I'm ignorant enough to this whole process that I don't really know um, how to conversate with you. So, but I'm just going to dive in somewhere and you, you tell me <laughs> what, let me get to something else before we get to that. So what if there's no blood on a deer and you know, your dog has experience can, can is it still trackable if there's no blood? Yeah, hundred percent. So what the dog, okay. If you ever wondered how a pack of wolves or coyotes can track down and kill a sick or an injured white-tailed deer, why do they target that specific deer? So a wounded deer secretes a different type of scent through their interdigital glands, and that's just simply because they're stressed. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a food plot, and let's say there's 15 to 20 deer in that food plot, and you shoot your bow off, immediately all those deer that stick their feet in the ground and run off are stressed out. You just stress them out. So that's the hardest part of the track. The first part, when there's four or five deer around and you shoot your bow off, now how do we distinguish what line line? continues? The one that is hit will continue to give off that scent down the line, Mm. and the ones that aren't will not. So that's always the hardest part is getting off the line with the thing. So Hmm. interdigitally, the deer smell different when they're wounded than when they're alive and healthy. Interesting. Yes. That's crazy. I didn't know that. We're going to learn a lot on this podcast, I believe. Yeah, it's so about it's dogs. like deeper shit because it's like you don't think about that stuff because you don't have to. Really. I have two dogs and they just lay on the couch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 
They, they That's do, really interesting. Yeah. So, like I said, you're training your dog to do the same thing a coyote can do, yeah. which is track down a sicker and injured deer and it, recover. Is that something that you can train, or is that something that comes with them kind of just following blood with experience? So, Does that question make sense? Yeah. So, again, there will be a lot of arguments on this because there's people out there that have manufactured tracking shoes where you can put the hooves of a deer into those shoes and walk a line and the idea is that that will be an interdigital scent line that you're laying. Mm. My theory is exactly what you said, which is, I don't think so. I think that the more the dog tracks and the more it experiences success along blood and interdigital scent, interdigital scent combined, they just start to correlate those two things. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, just, but you have to have them and they have to be experienced and they have to run a lot of tracks. So the, Really, what I'm getting into this, if I'm a guy that gets a dog and wants to train a blood trailing dog, assuming legal where I live and all that, the best thing for me to do if I don't have access to like, you know, the, the opportunity and like you guys are deep in the, the hunting community, there's more resources, You're like everything in your guys's life is surrounded by basically deer tracking. Yes. But if a guy is like an average dude that has just regular bow hunting friends, basically put a note out to your buddies hey when you kill a deer and you're going to track it let me bring my dog whether you watched it fall or not that's right that's, right. that's probably the best thing to, 100%. to do that's right okay. yep. whether it's a doe small deer big buck doesn't matter even if get it goes it. 20 yards and you watch it fall but yep. get it on that trail. get out get out and and don't don't lay any scent let yeah. let the dog do i mean it's kind of like what you, uh, greg said in this last podcast it's homework that it dog's doing homework i mean yeah. he's getting yeah. out there and he's doing it he's getting out there and doing what he needs to do and I, yeah. will, I will tell you this, is if you've never had the opportunity to watch a dog work, it will blow your mind. I never have. It is so either. fascinating to see these animals do what they do. It is, it's hard to put in words the skill that they have. When, I've, never, you, I've never seen a, a dog track blood, but I have a blue healer. And I watched him work cows one day. Never trained him, never did anything. We just went out to a buddy's farm. And he's he's moving those cows where he wants them i'm like i could have sat there and drank all night watching him just work these cows it was amazing yeah my beagle when it finds a rabbit trail holy shit yeah, yeah. that's impressive i think it's dying yeah they, they freak genetic shit. yeah they yeah. freak out so you need to get that strong genes going and then you had to do less training yeah well that's why i have the dog that i have now he's straight off the line i mean they're from it's a european import and it's it's you know its parents are one of the best i can no kidding pull up the pedigree and yeah took you three years on the list is he, that right three years three years on a list that i eventually didn't get you know so then so it was actually six years i was three years on one list that the person got out of breeding dogs after the three years so i never got one and then another three years on this list that wow it was oh. hilarious so last september we're in uh we're in colorado yeah we're in yeah. colorado and also we're, we're getting settled go to bed you know we're middle of elk season going at it hard and tired i'm getting settled for bed and all of a sudden he jumps out of bed like like something went bad at home yeah i could see his face yeah and I was like, this is not good. You know, and he grabbed his phone and off he went out of, out of the house. I don't know where he went, but he was gone. And he was gone for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. He comes back and he is on cloud nine. So I was stressed that something happened at home because right. he was so in tune. Frantic a little bit. Frantic. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, dude, I think I just got the dog that I've been waiting for for three or four years. I'm like, what? And yeah, he, he told me the whole story, and so that's funny that you didn't already know about it. <laughs> like, oh yeah, something you're waiting on. You're just like, I'm just 
you probably didn't want to jinx yourself by telling people about it. Huh? That's like uh, drawing yeah. a Yukon moose tag. You yeah, know? it is it's hilarious. <laughs> They're hard to get a hold of, especially the good ones. You know. Yeah. I yeah, cool, need to see wait, what the price tag was on that dog. You don't have to per say per inch. It's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> per weight, <laughs> per dog, per it's pound. not terrible. But yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, you're gonna, the ROI on this one is going to be a hell of a lot more because you don't have to feed them about a tenth of the amount. Exactly. Right. Yeah, that was tiring with my bloodhound. I mean, great dog. I mean, probably have to place some blame on where i am today to that dog or credit credit yeah 100%, yeah um, so how many how many total tracks did booner do uh we did life we did 640 tracks Holy roughly plus shit. or minus and wow. we were about 78 to 85 percent recovery rate it's pretty impressive the thing about that i got better at was picking what tracks to go on and things like that what, what can you break that down a little bit so so let me jump in kurt so let's yeah. casey so to, to help the listeners let's break down the do's and don'ts of when you get the phone call of what you're looking yeah. for and why and also the key number one is you got to be honest yeah thank god you're and, here and i'm sure like he's you're gonna ask questions as soon as they call oh, you. oh yeah. yeah i can break it down and i i used to have a piece of paper that i would go through mark walk through questions like a checklist I, yeah type deal and i'd hit all qualify. those checks you had to qualify yeah yes. so like yeah, exactly immediately when someone calls you they immediately are super excited and they have a lot of wants. They want to go track the deer. They want to go looking for it. They want to get down immediately. Normally, when you get called as a tracker, unfortunately, but just a part of the business is that they've already looked for the deer and they have been unable to recover it. In an ideal situation, they would not do that. The minute you have a, a feeling, because you kind of know when you drill a deer, like when you drill them, drill them, and they burn off and just pile up, you're like, okay. Yeah. If anything other than that happens, you got to sit down and say, all right, what was just a little bit of miss in that situation? Mm-hmm. And that's when I say, the minute you have that feeling, if you could get a hold of a guy, or maybe you know someone that has a dog, or it goes on, you know, call it 30, 40 tracks a year, or your best buddy, and just give him a shout and start talking through the situations. Mm-hmm. The checklist that I always went through was, how far was the shot? How high were you in the stand? Were you in a ground blind? You know, was the deer quartering to, quartering away, broadside, you know, or facing butt to you, however however you want to break that down. And then, you know, what did you do after the shot? What was the, what were the mannerisms or body language of the deer after the shot? You know, was the tail flickering? Was that, and, and we could sit there and break down all of those things and how to treat each individual thing. But ultimately as a hunter, that was what I would ask people um, before I would go out and track and so usually, that, is that more important one? Is that what what did you do after? The thing is, it is important. If you could, if you could, people would have saved themselves so many deer by not getting down and tracking them. I mean, it's just right. the way it is, and that's why in the previous podcast, Greg and I talked about how if we don't see the deer fall and its tongue's not hanging out in front of us, we don't go track the deer. Mm-hmm. Right. We just stop. We get out of there. We sit at the truck. We think about it. We replay it in our mind or replay it via video mm-hmm. and then we say okay this is a deer we can go in and find this deer and recover it or we need to pull out and wait till tomorrow mm-hmm. i think the biggest thing is when people call casey is the emotions are high yep yep and they usually are pro finding the deer less about being honest because the minute he drops his dog he'll know within five minutes this guy's full of shit or not yeah, or right. if he just came or, here on or a bucket, thinks it was something else or, or a bucket of lies right to get him there <laughs> right which right. only hurts the situation right yeah so put your 
put your honest pride in the back seat and tell the guy as much as you can straight up. You're the, you're the doctor for the recovery at this point. So like you got to tell the doctor what's wrong. No smoke screen. Yeah. Cause it, then it's harder to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. And Hey, Hey, listen, you can go and tell your buddies, whatever, but like, I don't have any vested interest in whether or not you really get the deer back or not. I just want to know where you hit the deer for real, mm-hmm. you know, cause if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. Oh. I drilled it, and it was right behind the shoulder. I'm like, well, why are we talking? Yeah, why are you calling me? Why are you calling me? This, this is going to be the easiest money I've ever made. Perfect. I'll be there in five minutes. Right, right. Yeah, okay. This is how much it'll be a C in 10. Oh. Yeah, okay, that's a good point, man. That I mean, a good, that's a I mean, great point. Hey. Shout out to those guys. I'm assuming What's most up? of the time they already tried finding the deer, right? Usually, yeah. yeah. I mean, because... Do you see a lot of lies about, like... The guys that went and looked for it, and they're like, I didn't go look for it yet. Oh, I only went over the ridge. Yeah, right. And then it comes out over they're time. They're stomping everywhere. I think over the last few years, a lot more of it, just because they've started to learn like that there's other trackers around and like what you can and cannot tell these guys. Right. And, right. and so there's some more of that. But I also think the emotions are running so high a lot of times that they just don't know. Right. Yeah. Which would be better to say as well. Like, hey, man, I, I really don't know. I think this, but I, I, it was happened so fast, I, I have a hard time, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be so, on, so be honest yeah. about it. Yeah, if you don't That's know. The thing. It's also like a very emotionally controlled situations and vibes, and you're dealing with people at weird spots, especially like, you know, like we talked about in the previous podcast, how your brain does weird things in the 100%. moment and mm-hmm. you can, you think things went a certain way, but then you check in with him and it's like, well, no, this is what happened or whatever it may be. So you're automatically dealing with just kind of the people not thinking clearly in anyway, right. you know, well, when you come back to us as humans, we all have a great amount of pride mm-hmm. and it's very hard to look yourself and other people and say, man, I really had a shit shot. Yeah, you don't, like, you don't like defeat. You never, you never really feel very many people be honest about it. You don't want to admit it. No, and and if you notice the people in behind, in front of TV lenses, cameras, we have to be honest. Mm-hmm. We can't lie. Yeah, because it's right Everyone's there. It's right there. Yeah. So that's if, black and white. Right it's there. black and white. If we make a bad shot, we're going to say, "Hey, that's on me." Yeah. It was a bad shot, and it's over. You know, we all do it. If you, if you haven't done it, if you're a bow hunter. Wait, it's going to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. The best thing, if you admit it, you feel a hell of a lot better. You do, afterwards. you, you do, do. Well, because you get real advice. Yeah, because it's funny. All these times that he's gone on tracks, he'll call me and he'll go, "Man, that was a freaking shit show," you know. And, <laughs> and, it, and it's usually because someone wasn't honest. Yeah, right. You know, and yeah. it, and it makes his job harder mm-hmm. uh, knowing what he's trying to do. So that's the number one thing I tell anybody who calls in is just swallow your pride and be straight up honest so he yeah. knows what he's going into well that also makes it even more impressive the success numbers the victories versus the l's if you will you can't really even yeah, consider right. that but it's like For the sure. amount of recoveries versus non-recoveries even dealing with all this stuff that you're talking about um i mean if you had to maybe you can't even do this <laughs> what percentage yeah that's why i'm asking these questions like it's things i i think you can categorize it but you might not be able to um what percentage of uh, recoveries that you go on, do you think that people aren't being honest with you? Purposely or not purposely, as far as the honesty thing goes, I would say that 75 to 80% of the time, they don't have a great idea of what they're talking about as far as where they either hit the deer or what the deer looked like after or where the deer was standing when they shot it. Um, 
gun, that's the biggest thing. With a gun, nobody ever knows where that right. deer was when they shot. Mm. It's a far it shot. Be a be market. Yeah, and yeah. undoubtedly, they they it was standing over here, and they think it was over there. You know, and there's a lot of that. Um, I didn't even think about that. I'm just thinking when you're. Hey guys, we interrupt this podcast to bring you an advertisement. But wait, <laughs> just listen. We're Please. sorry. I know we hate commercials. We hate them. Hey, listen. Just listen. You're here anyway. This isn't a commercial. It's a recommendation. It's a PSA. Oh, there we go. Yeah. We care about your hearing. That's right. We do. We work blue collar jobs, except for Doug. Um, hey, Doug. Uh, I still care about your hearing, though. We're going to use Eric as the poster boy for this segment real quick. Let's do it. Because Eric works in a race car shop, really. Yeah. That's the best way to explain it. And uh, you're using, I mean, impact tools to grinding, to welding, to yeah. whatever. CNC, CNC machines running all day long. Not great for your hearing. No, not. It's bad. And listen, it's easy to not give a shit because I don't give a shit really a lot. But now I'm starting to care now that I have like a daughter with a really small voice. Right. And my wife has a really small voice. I'm always like, what? What? Huh? What? What? Um, the point of this, Isotune Sport um, right. is now partnered with us, which we are thankful for. Because if you're at work and you have to wear hearing protection, Isotune's got has you covered there. And Bluetooth capable. So you can listen to your podcast while at work, while protecting your hearing. Um, I've been using mine on the mower because I have a lot of grass to mow and it's, it's been amazing. I used it the other day while putting it in big time plots on the tractor. Yep. Um, I was u- using the Isotune Sport Defy. Um, the earmuffs, right? Yep. The earmuffs yep. completely protect your hearing. You can hear your music good. It's not overpowering. It's not blowing out your eardrums through the music and you can almost still hear like you can hear the machinery run. So it's like protecting your hearing. You still hear machinery. So you kind of have like a sense of your surroundings and you can clearly hear music. Right. And it's nice too with the earmuffs. That's what I was using last night to cut down a tree with a chainsaw. So like as soon as that chainsaw revs up, it, it quiets the noise because I didn't have any music playing. So it quiets the noise. And then as soon as you let off, you can almost hear better. Like, yeah. Amplifies the noise around you. And you can control all that. There's buttons on the side. You can just reach up and control like basically to your liking. So you can still hear people talk if you don't have any background noise going. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. Or, you know, what you can do is you can act like you have music on and listen to people talk shit about you while you have them on. That's right. Mm, so that's right. there's that too. Uh, isotunesport.com. That's code. What did I say? I forget. My code's WCB10. Save yourself some money. Check them out. We're really proud to have them as a partner. Back to the show. Tracking deer or bow hunting. Me too. Yeah, me I'm too. Just, we're, just, we're just bow hunting. Yeah. 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 I mean, so... I, I would say 75 to 80% that the information that you receive via phone call prior to the track is not accurate. I wouldn't call it lying. I just say that it's just not spot on. Their, so, right. their memory is skewed because of the moment. Yeah. yeah, a lot of that. What percentage of tracks that you go on, like what would the shot be? Like what's the number one shot like or bad shot or shot placement that you get the call on? The number one track I would say that you go on that we most often recover would be paunch guts or intestines. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a one where it's a huge area on the whitetail, and if you miss back a little bit, that's right where you are. Mm-hmm. You know, you got liver back there, and and but like I just see a lot of those calls, and it's when if treated the right way, it's an, it's a very easy recovery for so the dog. So let's talk about yeah. that, Casey. Explain what that means when you say treated the right way so listeners understand what that means. Yeah, so obviously the number one thing is to not try, push that deer before it expires. Mm-hmm. If you if you push the deer before it expires, you can bet on not recovering it. So let's backtrack. So the minute you find your arrow, you're going to see some bile. Yeah. It's going to be green, most likely. 
Yeah, it's going to smell. It's going to smell. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, you stop there and you go to the truck. Yes. You're even, done. Even if you feel like it's one lung or liver gut or something like that on the angle of the deer. You're, is, you're, that, is that why you use a liver for the training purposes? Because most of the time, like, you know, if you double lung or do a hard shot, that, that deer most likely is going to be dead. Yeah. Well, I've got a story that will cover that story here in a second. So, yes and no. So, number one, when you're dealing with a puppy for the training purpose, you want something that smells really potent because it, they get super excited over this. It's like throwing a steak on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to eat it. Yeah, dogs, just they, they, <laughs> they're attracted to that, you know. So, that's, that's why. But also, yes, anything you do as far as training-wise, you want to train in the zone you're going to be in. Sure. That's yeah. why I didn't quite understand, like, the – the you know the roadkill blood from a raccoon or something being used for training i was like i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't train him for a math test studying you know geography, geography. exactly <laughs> yeah it's like blood with like half motor oil in it from the chevy cavalier that <laughs> ran it over and took out its oil pan right, right. <laughs> you know it goes back to if it's a loverhead it's gonna be really dark and red yes a yeah. very deep red yep and if you see that it's you know 18 to 24 to 26 hours yes so you know if you see that on your arrow it's don't even don't even waste your time right yep. just just hold exit up. exit right now and what greg is saying that's the number one issue is tracking too soon number one worst thing you can do and re- results excited are, and well what happens is more often than not people are going to push the deer mm-hmm. when yep. you push that deer more often than not he's going to move off the property that that individual has permission to hunt right so now we're compounding the problem by pushing the deer now we've got to go through you know, neighbors, phone calls at, or stops him from going because it's 10, 30, 11 o'clock midnight and you can't call your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Right. So you really want to exit left yeah. because well, there's, was, there's more issues to this. And that's the issue pushing. I had a couple, couple years ago when I lost that deer, I called Doug, you know, and it was like 2 a.m. cause I couldn't sleep. I'm like, Hey, let's go track this deer. It's been five, six hours. He's gotta be dead. He wasn't. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah, liver hit. How long? 18, 24, 26, right, Case? Yeah, because even if you think it's 8 to 12, you know, you just err on the side of caution every time. It's a you fatal just, hit. They're dead. Yeah. You just got to give them time. But if you right. push them, they might bed three, four, five, six times. Yep. yep. Yeah. I, I bumped up liver shot deer, shoot them at 7 in the morning and bump them up at 4 in the afternoon. You're better off if you've, I mean, if you've got a day, give them a day. You that's know, a great 24 tip. hours. That's a great tip right there. And that's it's what I better do. tracking in daylight than at night because if you're tracking in the night and you, excuse me, and you bump a deer, you can't identify the deer you bumped. Yeah, you're just hearing noise. You're hearing noise. So now you're now you're questioning yourself: Is that him or is it not? Do I keep right. going or or what happened? So we always well, prime example was the one I shot in the heart. Yeah, this past fall. I yeah. mean, it's all in video. I mean, we we both said he was dead. Yeah, forty one ish yards, mm-hmm. forty two, and smoked him in the heart. Uh, Onyx told us how far it was. I don't know. It was just shy of a mile. Yeah. Really? Oh, shit. Over a mile. Damn. And confirmed heart shot. How? You tell me. If you lower yeah, the tethel, bottom part tethel, of the heart SOB. where you're not catching, you know, the arterial stuff in there, you can nick the bottom of that heart and they can go. I mean. Yeah. I'm no mean, kidding. Yeah. The, the, the biggest. So, oh, go ahead. So to finish that up, I had the pleasure of talking to Tracker John on the same scenario. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's your number one misconception? He said, a heart shot deer. And I said, why? He said, because they can die in a hundred and they can die in a mile and a half. Yeah. 
He goes, it's a muscle, depending on where you hit that muscle, depends on, and he goes, the will to live is second to none. Yeah. Right, right. That make, I mean, it makes sense and when I, you break it, it down like that, yeah, but I wouldn't have My first that. experience hitting it, I mean, we smoked him. Now that was over, 50 yards and in, and we just kept going and finally, we, we backed out and we gave him, was it eight hours, nine hours? Yeah, yeah. Eight, nine hours, went back in. On do, a you think he, shot. do you think he died right away, like after he got done moving? I wish or? I knew. Yeah, I wish I knew. I would guess not. Because it seemed like there were spots where he slowed and he then slowed. stopped and then crossed again. Yeah. So, like grabbed composure and then kept moving or something like that. Well, yeah, it, but it wasn't long, I bet. No, but the thing was, is we we went probably two hundred yards mm-hmm. on the track, maybe two fifty. Yeah, and I'm like, this is not good. I mean, mm-hmm. I, we were up on a ridge and we're glass, and it was myself and Derek, my son, and and Casey, and I'm like, guys, we smoked this thing. If he's not here, it's not good. I don't know where he is. So all I know is us doing this is not good. Right. Something's yeah. weird. Something's weird. We just need to back out and come out eight, nine hours later. And so we went, we shot him first thing in the morning and we went in like 4.30 or 5.30 at, at, in the afternoon. It had to be at least. I, it was, I, it was I, right before dark. It was. Right before dark. And we shot him first thing in the morning. So um, I think these things were always going to teach us new lessons. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, well, another one, uh, Taylor Drury hit one in the heart. Yeah. last year it's the exact same, same shot same shot same everything and they had to call the dogs and they looked for i don't know how long before they found it same really? story really yes that's, that's so crazy i've never i've i've honestly i'm a double lung guy we've talked about this be. before and should that's be. just the safest bet uh, i want to tell a really quick side story i probably told on the podcast my dad's last buck uh last october shot a real big 168 pointer he hit it like the angle was real steep, hit it high and like buried in the outside shoulder. So the, there was no exit hole, but the wound was up high mm-hmm. and he was in this willow thicket near this creek. And we were tra- we waited. Uh, I worked late on a rare time. So by the time I got out there, it was already like 1 a.m. And he shot it early in the afternoon in a willow thicket on like a 90 degree day. So we're kind of worried about the meat, whatever. Ended up being fine, thank God. But we go in and track it. And we're, as we're looking for where the the trail was and it was hard to tell because it's all willows it's like a tunnel in yeah. there and he shot it in a certain pocket i think it was bed in the willows got up to move to bed down again and he caught it in between like in a wind shift and um so no blood and we're looking 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 well there's beavers in the water freaking out and i, I don't have no experience around any beavers and they were slapping oh, yeah. their tails and I'm hearing slaps, and I'm like, Dad, your buck's in the creek. So I run over, <laughs> hop hop the little, like, there's like a little fence thing there at the creek, and I'm like looking with my headlamp, and I'm just see water rippling. I'm like, he's in the creek, he's in the creek. It's no, There's no buck in the creek. <laughs> and, and, but the way it sounded to me, I could just picture sure. like a buck that yeah. is laying in the creek and can't sure. get up, like thrashing in the water. Makes sense. Kurt's out there swimming in the creek. <laughs> Makes sense. And my dad's like, Kurt, no, it's beavers. It's got to be beavers. And then we kept hearing it. And I'm like, I don't know. So I hopped the fence like probably three times that night, and we ended up finding the deer. It was it was deader than a doornail, like right after the shot. But sure, <laughs> that's just funny side story. I heard that, and I'm like, he's in the creek, you know, yeah, freaking out. He's in the creek. Got all cut up by a fence, so that's cool. Yeah, I mean, like what what happens to these deer when they're pushed is immediately after the shot, it's instant adrenaline for them. It's mm-hmm. flight mode, right? They take off and they run and they get out of there like, oh, oh something's wrong, and then they stop. And they, they realize that they're hurt, and then the adrenaline starts wearing off. And at that point, the pain is starting to be real. Mm-hmm. So their odds of moving very far after that are not high. But if you go in there and run up their rear end again, 
you're just starting the process all over again. Yeah. 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 But liver, liver or gut shot deer is going to take off and go. I mean, if you bump them two or three times, yeah. it just makes it that much harder to walk up and on. And that's them. a great way to break it down. I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize that. Like, when you bump that deer, it starts that process all over. That adrenaline kicks yeah. in, and they're just going to do that again and the again. Instinctive and again. all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. The rule of thumb that we always watch, you know, we're lucky enough to film everything we do, is a dead deer is truly going to die within, without question, 150 yards. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong, Casey? No, yeah, or or break it down into into time. You know, like yes, you know, 150 yards or a few seconds. You know, yes. that they're right. they're yes. not they, on their if, feet for if, minutes. If on you it. smoke them in the in the in the double long or heart shot, if you truly, you know, tenoring them. I've never seen a whitetail that we've smoked go more than 150. Usually, no. 85 to 125 is the norm. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there and you're tracking and it's past 150, 175, 200, timeout, get back out. out there. Yes. Yeah. Good it's, advice. You're, you, he's, not, he's not dead. So we'll call it the 85 to 150 range. Yeah. 80, sure. 155 yeah. rule. Sure. 85 to 150 rule. Sure. I mean, think of how, how long can you sit there and hold your breath? You know, not very long, especially if you didn't like. Especially gear if you're up running. Especially yeah. if you're running. Yeah, take no off kidding. running. You have no oxygen. You you're no freaking tell us fast. Hell, if I'm double long, I'm just gonna lay there. I ain't running. Yeah. Dude, you miss me. I'm still gonna lay down. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. I'm done. I give up. Um, what what's the expiration period that you found to be the most common for like a like a gut hit deer? I. I my rule is to always give that deer 24 hours. 24 hours. Before I'll, before I'll track. I, I always say 24 hours. I want to give it 24 hours because I don't want to track live deer. I've done it. I've been on that wild goose chase. It's Never not really fun. With my bloodhound, it was a lot. There were some very interesting stories you can get into over a live deer and a dog that size. Now, for sure, I probably wouldn't do it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but just say, for sake of argument, 24 hours. They can, if you're back in just pure intestines, meaning you're behind the paunch, then you might be talking about 36, 48 hours. Just no depends. Kidding. You have no They're fatal hits. Yeah. Yeah. And they're probably dependent a lot on the type of broadhead you use too. Like if you're using a big mechanical head that's just ripping stuff up, it's probably going to double or cut in half the expiration time versus a, a fixed blade head. Yeah. 100%. I mean, definitely the more trauma you can cause, the. The faster they're going to expire. And, you know, if it's at a little bit of an angle in your back there and you catch the back hip, you know, they might expire a little faster just because you howled them from going very far and all those things. There's a lot of different intricacies. Mm -hmm. Now, here's another one that's always a hot debate is, you know, when you've got one that's liver or guts and you have a form that's got a lot of coyotes Mm -hmm. and it's a big deer, right? The old debate is, do I go in in dark when you you can't see anything or do you wait till morning? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have that debate with anybody because that's that's your call to make. Yeah. But do you want to find them or do you not? Right. And more often than not, you got to be on the on the you know conservative side, even though the coyotes are probably a problem. But he's a problem anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, are you just going to push him farther off your farm um, and risk that, or find him you know a third eaten and find him on your farm? You're leaning. You're leaning the coyote gamble than you are the, well, it's not like We always do, because yeah. I'm always afraid of pushing off the property lines. Right. Yeah, that's very fair. Well, that's a fair well, Because, a because people, when, once you cross that property line, you lose all control. You have no control of your end situation. Yep. Well, in a lot, of, a lot of states, too, you can't cross that property line. You can't. 
And that's a thing that I don't, I don't, I don't think a lot of Illinois, people... In Illinois, I don't believe that you can, but I don't know for sure. You have to have permission from the landowner you to do to, it. Yeah. Iowa, you can pursue a blood trail, right, over property. You, you can't have a weapon, though. No weapon and only the hunter. Only the hunter. No dog, no so buddies. Like, nope, well, nope. now with this new law... Yeah, we'd have to look into that. that so would, an excellent that's question. A, that's a great question. I don't know point. about because they passed now that you can track deer with a dog in Iowa. I don't know about that, but before... Yes, if if it if your animal that you shot and you have a blood trail, you can cross property lines without permission, without mm. a weapon, and hunter only. Hunter only, nobody. Nope. No, no, nobody with a no. Nope. But see, that goes back to you know if I think we all, most of us, hunt with a, a buddy or a friend or relative yep. or whatever, right? And when you get into these situations, if you can rely on somebody else to come help you, do that. Oh, absolutely. And um, what we do really well is when we're tracking. One is on the ground with eyeballs, and one is looking up. Because more often than not, when you're looking down and you spook something, the guy looking at the ground can't catch yeah, fast enough gone. what's looking. Right. So we always have at least one up and one down, and then we're scanning. So if we do see something, Smart. we know what's going on. It yeah. wasn't that deer. Yeah. And we always try to do it in daylight. Never, very rarely would do we do it at night. Very rarely. And that's the thing, too. Like, even if, like, I can pursue a deer on the neighbor's property. I'm still going to go ask permission. Yeah. That's a thing in me where oh, I, I'm going to go at least ask them. And if they're a beehole, you're going anyway. Exactly. Like, <laughs> if I have to call the DNR so get yeah. someone out there, I will. But, I mean, it's always yeah. in the back of my mind where I have to get permission from them. You'd want somebody to do it if they were coming on your property. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. just an etiquette. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, just a, an it's a great thing. etiquette, especially yeah. a neighbor. Yeah. Like you said in the last podcast, it's, it's a neighbor thing. Good to be neighborly. And there's oh, yeah. nothing wrong with meeting the neighbor there. No. I've no. done that many times. Oh, yeah. really? Yep. Okay, let's go together. Yeah, most and, times they're happy to help. Yes. They and, want to and, see the deer anyways. Yeah. And the and, one time I lost that one that I went and asked the neighbor, he's like, yeah, if you ever get a deer down, just go ahead and do your thing. Like, you don't have to come up here and ask me every time. Just do your thing, which is awesome, you know. Get permission at all times, but... Yeah, because then you know. Right, now I know. The stress level, if it happens again, you're like, all right, we're good. I can, right. go, I can go over there. And I don't have to knock on his door at... Two in the morning. Six a.m. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, sure. it's the blood trail. I think it's complicated, but it's kind of it's fun in a way. It's fun if you can recover, but like yeah. breaking them down is fun. It is. You know, like have you heard of the old school method of run them, run them down to death? Where they just I've keep, never tried to do that. I'm not a fan so, of it myself because you're going to run in the property line. So as I yeah. said earlier, yeah, nowadays it, it's like everything's bought. So you can't really do that. Yeah. Because yeah. in Wisconsin, you can't cross property lines, right? No, no. At all, without nope. permission? Without permission. Nope. Yeah. The track stops at the fence. I know what your thought is going to be on that, but break it down. <laughs> oh, just the track stopping at the fence? The run them down thing. Oh, that. Well, so different states, different laws. Texas, those guys, Georgia, some places in there that run packs of dogs on deer, that, that's a way of deer hunting for them. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that has some merit. So if you are dealing with a front But, let, but third, let's stop there. Down in Texas and down in Georgia, their plantations are big. They are. Huge they have tracks. huge tracks. Huge yep. tracks. Not 40s and 80s. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a different mindset here. They're they 40,000 and 80,000. Oh, they're just massive. Yeah, deer's down. off 80 acres in three seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there it has some merit. Plus, the dog can run off lead. If you If your dog is running on a leash, which is the rule in Iowa, it's the rule in Wisconsin and most Midwestern states, and you're going to look at me in the eye and tell me you're going to run a deer down with that dog on a leash. Well, <laughs> you, have you better be running quick, boy. <laughs> yeah, and a marathon runner, you know. It's, yeah. it's just not very feasible to me. 
So but, that dog has. So what you're saying is that dog has to be on leash at all times. Mm-hmm. Yep, they can't be off leash. What is rule fifty? What is it? Forty feet? Fifty feet? I don't know. I, I run a like a forty fifty foot check lead. I can't remember what it is. Um, there's no. Yeah, it's it's somewhere in there, like a fifty foot check lead for for running the dog. But I think it's a great way to track. It makes it tracking and right. not hunting deer with dogs, which is right. what. That's why deer tracking with dogs gets such a bad rap. Everyone's scared. Well, they're going to be hunting them with dogs. They're running them with dogs. Yeah, that's like the most negative. Yeah. Well, like, if that was the case, you could just pull up on the side of the road, let your dog out. Once he starts howling, you know where the deer is. Exactly. And, and that's no just not the law. So. At all. Right. <laughs> My first experience was not with Casey. It was with Tracker John. And uh, we started going, and he goes, you know, we're, we're on the wrong track. I mean, he could tell by the demeanor of the dog that we were not on the deer. Interesting. That's fascinating, crazy. right? And he goes, we got to go back. He goes, get me back to where you hit him. So we went back. We went down a different trail. Long story short, we found him. And that bloodhound was crazy aggressive. And it, John grabbed me. He said, do not go close to him. That is his deer right now until he calms down. If not, he will bite you. <laughs> no wow. shit. No <laughs> shit. And he was crazy aggressive to the point that he, he leashed him and tied him around a tree. And I got close to the deer, and he was lunging at me. Yeah, because yeah. it was his prize. It was his prize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he lets him have his moment, lets him chew on him. They usually go on the back third of them. Yeah, and, and for whatever reason, they just chaw on him. I don't know why, but they do. They're not like eating them. They just get their face. Yeah, it's crazy. They just start chewing on him. Like and coyote, it was just, he looked at me and goes, just let him have his moment. And we yeah. sat there for five or six minutes. And you can have your moment. Yeah. Yes. And, yep. and he goes, that's his reward. Just give him time. So interesting. So another thing is when you're behind a tracking dog and the handler, make sure you give them space mm-hmm. and never get in front of the dog or the handler. Right. You never want to communicate. You just follow and watch, keep your watch the process and pretty. watch the, and take it all in because all you're doing is defeating the purpose. Right. And some of these guys are off the dog. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's over here. Let me tell you, the dog knows what he's doing. Right. Just. Eat your ego, sit back, and let it happen. And that's the thing where you were saying earlier, like, sit back, watch that dog work, because that'll be a way better experience. Way yeah. better. Well, here, let me let me do this, and you can tell me, once again, to kick rocks. But any guy that listens to this that's at a bar, local bar, oh, yeah, listen to the podcast. If you want to get a tracking dog, this is what it's going to cost you. Oh, boy, here we go. Yeah, so you're yeah, you know that had to come up. It's it's different in different areas for sure, and different trackers they're they're able to charge whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I first did it, uh, I know I charge five hundred dollars to track the deer, and I charge an extra two hundred fifty dollars if I found that deer. I think now changing it moving forward, it'll be pretty much a thousand, just up cut rate that's all it's gonna cost straight up yeah and there might be some mileage in there depending on but i don't plan on going that far now so mm-hmm. um but usually that's what you're gonna get you're gonna be somewhere between 250 to 500 and then they're probably gonna want some gas money or something like that to figure it out if they're coming a long distance they live down the road they're not sure. gonna ding you for that but yeah, yeah i was gonna cool. ask you out of your 88 tracks how far like would you go out since you got you know you're filming and everything like your radius you're still hunting and stuff too yeah when i did that i didn't do a whole lot of hunting when i did that 88 track year because you're up late and stuff like that and yeah and i i tracked all the way from southeast ohio to 
you know, southern Illinois, back into Minnesota, and then all around Wisconsin. Man. It was mostly Wisconsin. Holy shit. So Peter. so if we shoot a big one, you're going to come down and help us? That's the question. How big is he? How far are you going? <laughs> how big is 180. he? 180. Depends on how big a deer Greg and I are on <laughs> it. <though. laughs> Good answer. You Good say answer. 150 in case he click. <laughs> no, it's 200 inches. He shows up. It's a 130-inch deer. No, uh, one, of the, one of these days, I'm going to... There would be a serious can of whoop ass coming out of that truck <laughs> right, right there. Right. He just sticks a dog on you <laughs> oh, I, I think that's one thing about tracking deer that's awesome is there is no trophy for tracking deer you're just you're trying to find the deer could the be a trophy, four corn, the could trophy be, is finding the deer exactly yeah. i can tell you one thing that dog doesn't give a shit how big it is no they, they cared <laughs> enough to call you so yeah well, go, go ahead austin I hate to say it, but somebody in this room in the next two or three or four seasons, we're going to put a bad hit on one, and we're going to be like, oh, you yeah. remember Casey? We need oh, to yeah. call that guy. So <laughs> yeah. are you going to come down this far for us? Yeah, if, I, if, I've, if I'm open, I will. Okay. Sure. You've got a place to stay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Cold it's... Beer. Yeah, you can podcast about it, tell how bad of a hit it was. <laughs> how trashy you, know, are. you know what we should do is when things are really low, slow, like that mid-October low, is come over here on somebody's farm and whack some does. And then we'll bring the dog. Yeah. And you guys see will see it firsthand. I would love that. I got to see what this thing, because it, 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 it's mind-blowing, honestly. It's it's the best That'd show. That'd be awesome. Yeah. about the Lord Chandler's and shoot a doe. I've got a new farm that needs some doe management done. So doe, we yeah. do Doug's got like well, yeah. 400 does on well, the Let's farm. just plan out. We'll just do a podcast. This is central ground, really, from yeah. his place to your place. Well, we, <laughs> could, yeah. we could go out and do a doe mission. Throw yeah. out the dog, do a podcast, and watch yeah. you and l- let you guys have another uh, conversation from the outside looking that'd in. That'd be awesome. I'd like to see the dog work. That'd be awesome. We could do, yeah. some, we could do some filming, some podcasting. Yeah. The dope bitch and mission is what yeah. we call it. The dope bitch and mission. Mission. <laughs> mission. I like I that. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. I got it. I, I think like tra- Tracker John is. I think he's like a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks. I can't remember exactly what. Last it is, time he charged me was twelve hundred bucks, but it took him four and a half, five hours to get there. Is yeah. he kind of like the staple in deer tracking right he's, now? He's I mean, the guy, he has Tom. been, right? Yeah, he he's is. the guy. Yeah. I think anyone yeah. that kind of knows about dog tracking or dog tracking with deer, whatever. Yeah, I know Tracker. I heard of him. Everyone so, yeah. knows Tracker John. Well, uh, Fakara, they five seasons, you yeah. all the time. It is, um, is there like something that people should look out for as far as like uh, phonies in the tracking game? I'm sure there are. I mean, it, it's getting so big. One thing that I know for sure is that we you were talking about earlier like how to what what would you tell a guy that wanted to get a dog and get a tracking dog going it's a it's a double-edged sword right because it's fun to get a dog and have a dog as a companion and get it going but if you don't get the dog on enough tracks it's never going to be as good as you want it to be Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day we talk about this all the time man it'd just be a heck of a lot cheaper to hire someone who does this all the time and tracks all the time than it is to buy your own dog and pay for the food and the vet bills and all that stuff yep. right. and then try to train it to track deer. So if you want the dog, get the dog. Hey, you're going to love the More dog. I love dogs. Yeah. Exactly. But if you're buying <laughs> right. it to track deer, you better plan on putting it on some tracks. Otherwise, the first person that calls you or the time you want to use it for yourself, you're going to be like, oh, you're spinning my wheels. Why, why right. am I doing this? So I think anyone that advertises the fact that they do it for the most part is probably good-hearted, and they probably work on it. Because it takes, I know United Blood Trackers is a website out there that is a kind of a community that offers blood tracking dogs, and they they have different addresses listed and contact information. And 
it costs money to be a member of that. Mm. So, and also you, know, you have to be qualified, right? To yeah, be a tracking dog on that. Not website? to be on the website, you don't have to be. You have to be qualified, but most of them are. Okay, so kind of like a Pope and Young measure, like you got to be qualified and measure. They go through tests, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, you, yeah. You, there's United Blood Trackers tests, and they have UBT one, two, and, and tier three, I believe they have now. And so a lot of the dogs on there have been tested and proven, and then they're on the site. Not everyone though. You can all you have to do is pay your twenty five dollar membership fee and your contacts up there. Gotcha. But I mean, it's something. It's some skin in the game to make sure that you right. know you're going above and beyond to kind of advertise yourself. Because because I do still. I'd say every year, maybe twice a year. Yeah. It's probably two times a year. I get people and no harm, or I mean, I'm not, it's not offensive, yeah. but I get the offer. Hey, if you shoot a doe, sure, I got a dog. I just yeah. want to get it going, and I'm kind of always like, Nah, I don't want your dog out there. Yeah, to right. be honest, like yep. uh, I'm not trying to be a d hole, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know you. I don't, I don't blame you for that. But fuck your dog, know. you know what I mean? No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we had, was it two years ago? Two years ago when I shot that one? And you're, you called that your buddy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah to practice, yep. And and you said, hey, should we let this guy practice? I said, I don't care. And yeah, it was lo- well, also that was late in the year, so we were done. We were done. Which and, is nice. Yeah. See, we I'm, I'm down to get one when I need it, but I don't want you practicing. Yeah. And yeah. that might be like a... Negative. No, but. I wouldn't run the dog through our stuff either. No, but yeah. we were we, we were could dumb, help it. So yeah, I was like, right. you know what? Let's help this guy out. And he was trying to get his dog. See, that's and, cool. And a lot so of my properties, I don't really have that opportunity to like one let a, another person on. Yeah, but if like it was like a one seventy plus type buck for me as a super giant, you know, I'd be like, well, we're, we're gonna bring it on. Yeah, let's yeah. Just, we're gonna figure it out. Yeah, yeah I would figure. I would. You know, that's a good thing. Like to start right now. The season's coming up. Hop online. Get on Facebook or look up some of these tracking guys that are out there. Get on United Blood Trackers and try to find someone in your community and give them a shout. Mm-hmm. Talk to them for a little while. See what they're like. Yeah, and, ask and, them a couple of questions like, what's your protocol? What do you want me to do if I hit one? You know, you'll figure out pretty quick what's if they your know cost? what you're talking about. How far about. will you go? Yeah. Will you even come to come see me? And Is that's it 60 miles, I don't 80 even, miles? I don't, I don't even know if there's like any local people around here that do it. I don't really know. I have either. no idea. Well, I can imagine with Iowa opening up, there's going to be a lot of guys popping yeah, up. Yeah, oh, sure there is, yeah. You know, and everybody's in the same timeline, so they're all going to be new. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I know we didn't. We deep dove in certain spots, but is there anything like really like critical or important that we missed? I had a question. Um, does Doug, like rain? Doug, does rain or like, snow like hinder? It's a great question. Yes and no. So uh, here's one thing to understand about moisture. High moisture content is a lot easier to track on because your scent doesn't go very far. It's not dispersed. Okay. Dry and windy is blowing scent everywhere. High moisture, high humidity keeps the scent in one spot. It's the same reason why, like, literally when you're going to hang a tree stand, you want to do it, like, after a rain or during a rain. It's not because the rain washes your scent away. Believe me, it does not. But at least your scent didn't blow into that 80. Right. It just stayed exactly where it is. It's all right there. So it's the same thing with the dog. They run such clean lines when the humidity is high and it's rained. Now, I'm not talking about a freaking hurricane. If you get an utter wash out, you know, that can be bad for the scent line. Um, Snow, yes and no. If it snows after on the track a substantial amount by, you know, 8, 12 inches, you're going to have some problems finding the track. Um, well, you, if, will your dog even be able to get through 12 inches? Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> you know, lift kid on that She's thing. meaner than she looks. Some stilts. A lift yeah. kid. You're just like picking it up as you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're just holding yeah. her above it, the snow. <laughs> exactly. 
But I mean, other than that, I've had I've had three four inches of snow on a track and and found it easy. The one thing that you need to understand about a deer track is that the further you get into the track, the hotter the line is. Right. Because the less the old it is, the fresher it is. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So, man, that's backwards thinking, but it makes perfect yeah. sense. Yes. Yeah. So once you get past that initial spot, let's say it snowed three inches on the first. 200 yards but it, you know then it let up and kind of got better if you can get into it a ways you usually find yourself working out of it mm, okay same with rain same with everything makes a ton of sense it's crazy i would think oh yeah this trail's going it's been yeah, and it rained, they were, yeah. we're screwed yeah no that makes that makes perfect sense yeah people always think that like you're like a mile in on a track with a dog and they're like we are screwed this is pointless deer you know deer yeah it's right. just the further they go the hotter it is for them you know like i'm yeah. getting closer mm-hmm for us, it's the opposite. Yeah, you like ready to give up. You get the mental, the mental, you know, your brain's kind of screwing you on your motivation on wanting to keep looking, and you're you're not looking as hard when the further it goes down. Like you said, you're kind of like, man, this isn't good, you know. And then I think you start like mentally checking out on it. Maybe, yeah. maybe. now yeah. is there is there a point where like you're that mile in and like where that dog's like kind of losing it, or he's like telling you. Yeah, what, like, at what it, point it's like, hey, it's yeah, know, it's not going to work yeah. out. So, so as a person, if you're going to track deer for somebody that hires you, my my philosophy behind doing it is I used to do it till they were they would quit. Okay, so I would track till they're like, dude, I'm shot. You know, oh, right. like, okay. but also there's reading the dog. Like, right. if the dog looks squirrely, you know, usually when they lock on, they have a look to them, just like Greg was talking before. You're reading the dog. If the dog looks good, you're following the dog as far as it will go. Mm. The dog looks weird you got to do something different you either got to circle back and hit last blood or you know make a different move in the track or something like that but that you know that's what you're basically basing it off of the dog's going to tell you when to quit or when to keep going mm-hmm. but i would just usually circle around in there and look and look and look until the guy's like dude this is ridiculous i'm done okay <laughs> sometimes the dog will look at you like hey dumbass he's still alive yeah, yeah. Right. the dog's okay. like nah yeah call We're out, out. Like the fir- bark, the fir- like barks at you like you idiot. Yeah, <laughs> like if they could talk first, if still alive. Yeah, we're out. <laughs> it just it just runs back to the truck. Peace I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I'll, so your point on the most important, like something important. I would say there's a shelf life too. So if it's cold, like forty eight hours used to be my cutoff. I mean, I'm not taking a track that's over forty eight hours old. If it's eighty five out, I might take one that's a little older than forty eight hours just depending so oh, gotcha if you start to smell that deer after 48 hours the dog's gonna smell it so you know there's a shelf life to the trail yeah so yeah. you know that's why i encourage people to find a guy that they know that can track and just call them right away if you're confused you don't understand just like we are we're like i shoot a deer and turn to greg and go what do you think did i hit him <laughs> what happened <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah have someone in your pocket that you can right. dial up and ask yeah. another hey, thing that this that, guy that can get do, old frankie out there you know we always talk about making deposits right at home for the kitchen pass to hit kitchen the woods pass, that's funny um we work with that local guy because casey didn't we were we were dogless for a couple three years and yeah. so when this when we called this guy he was hey i just want to track i'm like mm-hmm. you know what? let's let him track because if we ever need him we're going to go to the top of the list. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. Because we helped him. So you gave him, right. that's right. So if you guys are out looking for him, you find a guy you like and you say, Hey, if you ever want to come track my does, 
I'll be oh. happy to let you do it. Mm-hmm. Just just put me on the list that when I really need you, I go to the top. And I'll go, heck yeah, because nobody else is going to help him. Yeah. Right. right. See, there that's, I am at the bottom of the list. You're at the bottom of the list. I don't want your dog out hey, here. That's right. <laughs> you're on that guy's but, shit list. You're on the shit list. <laughs> but no, but fair, I'm serious. It will pay off dividends. But to be fair, I'm the guy who doesn't. Like, it's like, hey, just you out here. Nobody else. You know what I mean? So it's like. That's fine. It's a desperate situation in most cases. Not yeah, always. That's but, fine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, and that's like, you know, if you are going to sneak in there and take a look on your own, make it just you. Right. Don't make it you a and Doug. You guys. <laughs> Five of your drunk buddies. And, yeah, you know. You know yeah, go on it, hey, call yeah. Casey. We're all here. Call nope. Casey. <laughs> the, the, biggest thing, the biggest thing that gets you in trouble is having a tracking party. It's horrible. Yes. Yeah. Don't do it. It shouldn't exist, really. You got and quad, that's quadruple the sound. Call everybody. Quadruple the sound, all of it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's, idiots. that's one thing that ends up messing people up. And the other thing is just what you said. Leave the woods, go home, have 15 beers, and be like, oh, we can get him. And then make, <laughs> yeah, make piss poor decisions. We yeah. got, we yeah, got him have, if we just go now. Yeah, just yeah. have 25 beers and wake up in the morning and go get him. Yeah. It's 2 a.m. I could go now or I could oh, just yeah. wait till 7 a.m. Yes. <laughs> if I have 15 beers, I'm waiting till 10 a.m. the next morning. <laughs> yeah. song over. Daybreak is always better than 2 a.m. Yeah. Oh, yeah, smart. tracking the daylight. Smart. Ton of information, man. It's what's interesting. And, about and it. another thing before I forget is we've talked about this a lot, which is tracking deer in clouded versus solid sunny days mm. is way better to see the blood than yep. not. And the first two hours and the last two hours. In overcast yep. days, it's y- better yes. way better. Yep. Way better. Yes. Way better. It's better for looking for sheds and like acres in general too. Yep. Everything. Yep. Overcast <laughs> I'm writing that down. Overcast days are better. Taking notes. Um, no, I mean, I love this type of conversation because it's so multi-layered and situational. Yeah. And what's, what's good about it is it's fun. It is. You can throw so many scenarios. Yeah. What's bad about it is nothing's the final rule. No. 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 What's your worst story? I just Ooh. say, what's your favorite story? Uh, oh, what's your favorite? What's your favorite and worst? I have a great one that can never be... Like no, like no. Only the person if they listen to your podcast will know who they are. Okay. Just, don't, just don't name names. Don't name names. Well, just tell so, it, and they won't hear it. So we tracked a deer for an extremely long period of time, and I was to the point where I was about to give up on the track. And we, I could see a road sign, and I could hear cars kind of going by. And so I basically just picked the dog up and was kind of like just put him on a short leash and was carrying him out to the road. And we got in the ditch and the dog's ears and nose went up and he, he kind of like went and I was like, man, this kind of looks odd. So I put his leash back on him and the deer was laying on the center line of a pretty serious highway. No way. Wounded bad. And so I kind of sat there and I was like, what do I do with this? The deer is here. It wasn't moving. The dog had like was baying at it and barking at it and it wasn't moving. And I literally walked the deer back down, the dog back down in the ditch, and I was going to wait for the hunter to come up because what you are supposed to do is put the dog away so you're no longer tracking, and then you need to contact the DNR, and then you can go and dispatch the animal with permission. But otherwise, you can't fire a weapon off at night. Mm, Like, you can't shoot your bow or gun at night. Especially on a road. Yeah, on a road or whatever. So, literally, the deer is sitting there. I'm sitting with the dog. The hunter's on his way out. I'm like, I found him. He's up here. And literally a freaking Ford F-150 comes by and smashes that <laughs> oh, no. You got to watch it live. Antlers off, smashed everything oh, right there on the road. No way. Holy oh. smokes. Yep. It'll be 500 big ones. See you later there, bud. Mm, that's a heartbreaker. <laughs> oh. Good luck.
<laughs> That's the worst story. I was trying to cha-ching button. Yeah. That sucks. Yes, that does suck. Did well, you did you have to bring it to him? Oh, he when he showed he, up. Oh, he was out. He was he was literally walking out of the woods. When oh, so he saw it all. Oh yeah, he watched it. Not, not that it matters, but how big was the buck? I I didn't get to see it with his antlers. On. <laughs> yeah, it's like low sixties buck. A nice buck. Nice yeah. buck. That's a heartbreaker. That is a heartbreaker. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Yeah, it was scary because honestly, the guy almost got in a big time accident. You know, because he hit the deer and was you know, and then he stopped and we were standing there and he's like, "What are you guys doing?" The driver. Yeah, right, right, right. It's like, you scared this deer right to me. Yeah. Was that your, oh, he, was that's that what he thought we did. Yeah. Just shattered the rack. Yeah. Was that your worst story or your favorite story? That's probably my worst one, I think. I don't know. I, it's, if if it gets worse one? than that, I don't know if I want to hear it. My favorite story was, are, is any time the dog got a hold of the deer when it was still alive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was pretty, he was brutal. And he was big it? enough to, to handle it, which right. was nice and was kind of fun to watch, you know. Right, right. See him get some action. Yeah. Man. I can't even imagine. I can't either. That's well, the, I think we do that. We get these guys down here, shoot some does, and I want to see fun. this. That's Western, Frankie man. might get one by the hoof or whatever, yeah, by the throw, ear. By throw the Frankie head. up there. Gets just, get just gets flung. <laughs> Dude, Frankie gets a hold of a good jugular. I'm sure to take it down. No, Frankie gets one hair. <laughs> Look like Bodacious out there kicking. Yeah. Oh, dang. Breaking <laughs> deer skulls left and right. Yeah. <laughs> Cracking skulls. Frankie's just riding Bodacious out there. Yeah, pretty much. Well, cool, man. Thank you for all the the knowledge and insight. I can't imagine some of the things you've seen. It'd be a whole podcast series in itself. Just story. I, he could do stories all night long. I bet we just do our whole series dedicated to tracking. It's a fun thing. It's enjoyable because you get to go with someone else and experience recovering the deer, which is like you know when you call your buddies to go. So it's fun. You get to do yeah. it all the time, which is enjoyable part Probably of hunting. A way more positives and excitement and reward, like you know, good feeling, good vibes than it is the other way. Yeah, and ninety percent of the people are if you don't find them, they thank you for giving it your best yeah. effort and coming out and helping them. You know, yeah. trying. So I mean, there's nothing buddy when you or nothing better when you're with your buddies and they recover a deer. I mean, right? Oh, yeah. probably the best moment. Deer. And it's top of the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. Well, thanks. You want to close out with anything? Where can people find you guys? Uh, oh, you can find us on Facebook. It would be Bloodhound Deer Trackers or uh, our United Blood Trackers. I believe we're still uh, involved with that. We got a membership there, so Very that'd cool. be a good spot. Absolutely. Awesome, man. And you want to throw your phone number out there for the people to call you if they eight six seven five three zero nine. Nice, nice. I saw the smile as soon as I mentioned phone number. I think I've seen that in a bathroom stall one time. Yeah, you, no, call, you a, called it. Yeah. <laughs> call for a good time. My is Katie town, there. My town's local area codes eight six seven. So <laughs> really? that song's always funny to me. Oh, oh really? Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's hilarious. No, it's seven one five three four zero seven three 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 and Bloodhound Deer Trackers on Facebook book is another easy way to get a hold of it. awesome cool man appreciate, appreciate it you. appreciate you. the knowledge greg you got anything to close out with no man just thanks for having us down this is yeah. fun i'm glad you guys came down it was cool yeah. to get you guys in the studio they always cool. seem a little better they always record better 100 percent. just yeah. good to see good friends man yeah and, and we're you, not you know we're not hotel. sitting in sofas where people fall asleep so I say now i understand why room. how did yeah. i know, know you're through the last one last dig in there. i tell you what it's far from over doug ah. it's far <laughs> from hey, over doug a you're never gonna let this down never nah Never. That's fine. Everything's fine. You guys got this love. special bond. It's kind it's of all in love. It's though. beautiful. Yeah. I was your first. It brings us closer, really. I was, I was your, your first. I was your first. <laughs> that's why the first sleep. you fell asleep so on. Weird. Literally tried to sleep with Greg. Yeah, he literally did. <laughs> the, the I first did. he oh, fell he asleep try. on, I get that. I doubt he didn't it. try. He did it. He there. did it. <laughs> you're, the, you're the first one Doug's ever slept with on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Beautiful. <laughs> it's great to see you guys together, actually. That's why I put you next to each other, and it's uh, 
It's real heartwarming, actually. It is. Really He's rubbed my leg a couple times tonight. I was worried about that, and I was going to pre-warn you, but... I, the, <laughs> Hopefully it's not on video. The but. new table's wider, so there's more of an overhang, so I can't see that, so not my problem. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's Eric's problem. He built the table. So, what's <laughs> up? Dang it. Well, let's do this dough machine. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's, do it. let's figure it out. This All fall. Right. The I don't know what I called it earlier. The dough machine. We'll do it. All right. I'm going to close her out. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.